Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 71 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. To say that today's guest, Rhonda's son, Robbie, had struggles would be a bit of an understatement. From a young age, Rhonda says that Robbie seemed socially awkward. He developed a tick disorder in elementary school and just had a hard time making friends and getting through school. By the time Robbie reached adulthood, they realized that he had Asperger's syndrome and that these social struggles were very real. He continued to have problems keeping friends, keeping jobs, all of the, quote, normal things that you do in adulthood. And Rhonda worried about him every day. She texted him every day to make sure everything was going well. Despite all of Robbie's struggles, though, he persevered. He was tough. He was resilient. And Rhonda never stopped believing in him. Every day he went to work, he was one day closer to getting to his dream to live on a beach someday. Since Robbie's unexpected death from a seizure this past August, Rhonda has really felt alone. Mourning in a pandemic without the real ability to get support from other people around her has been hard. Today, Rhonda talks about Robbie, his struggles, and her early journey in these months of mourning. She talks about how poetry has been a release to her. I hope you enjoy hearing from Rhonda today about Robbie. Also, if you want to share your own story, either on the podcast or just personally to me, I love to hear stories. So please email me at marcy at andysmom.com. So M-A-R-C-Y at andysmom.com. Also, sign up to get email updates so you can see all of the wonderful pictures that my guests submit for me to post every week. Thank you so much, Rhonda, for agreeing to come on the show today and share Robbie with us. Thank you for having me, Marcy. I'm so glad to be able to talk about Robbie. That's wonderful. Why don't you just go ahead and start talking about Robbie then? Okay. Well, Robbie was the second child I had. He has an older brother, Ryan, who's three years older than him. When I got pregnant with him, of course, I was thrilled. Really tough pregnancy. Really was nauseous till seven months. And about seven months, I got better. And then he was born. He was born in August of uh, 1988. Came home. No problems. At about 11 months, he just quit taking his bottle by himself. He was just laying on the floor taking his bottle. He threw his bottle and he was done. It was great. No problem there. <laughs> he loved to sleep. 
He loved naps. He never cried about going down for a nap. He never cried about going to bed at night. He, he just was very easy, very easy. Mm-hmm. And then when he started eating, he ate everything in sight. You could not fill him up. Like we would take him family. They're like, is he really going to eat all that? He would eat everything. And normal size, normal size child, not, not anything like that. He just had a super high metabolism. Probably around four or five, he's, we started notice. I started noticing he would shrug his shoulders. And, you know, as a parent, you know, that's just Robbie. You don't think anything about it. Sure. And he seemed to be like, he would blink his eyes more than seemed normal. Again, didn't think too much about it because everything else was fine. He got to kindergarten and the kindergarten teacher mentioned that, you know, hey, he's, you know, his shoulder shrugging and he wasn't able to follow multiple directives. Like he couldn't follow two or three directions at a time. Like the other, he wasn't on par with the other kids. Mm-hmm. So that was cause for concern. And so they kept an eye on him. Well, when he was in second or third grade, they put it on, put him on an IEP. Mm-hmm. Because at that point he was having trouble reading, uh, comprehending reading. He could read, but he couldn't, it wasn't transferring. He couldn't comprehend what he was reading. So uh, for tests and things, they would take him out and read the test to him, especially if it was timed. Anything timed, he was just, he could not deal with that. He knew he had a time limit. He seems to be doing okay in school, but then all these things just start appearing. Uh, we noticed that he's having trouble socializing with the other kids he's not he's not able to make friends like the other kids do mm-hmm. as easy he's very socially awkward he starts picking his fingers kind of looking away the shoulder shrugging we take him to a specialist they ended up telling us they they thought he had mild Tourette's mm-hmm. yeah which would make sense with disorder, yeah. finger picking that so we put him on some medication and he seemed to be okay. There's again, the social issues and the friends, he's not, it's, that's not improving, but he's not, nothing's getting worse. Mm-hmm. So then uh, when he was about 11, he started having a lot of anger. This anger just started appearing. Um, when he would get frustrated or if he would get stressed out, he didn't know how to express that. And so he would damage things. He would tear things up. And he even started, he would hit his head against mirrors. Oh my word. And it was very concerning because there were just things that Robbie had. These were outlets that he had to do. That'll make sense a little more later, but these were things he had to do because of his, it was an outlet for him. Mm -hmm. He had to do things this way. We're dealing with all of this. We went to church and, and he was, he loved by, in fact, let me back up. There was one episode when he was about maybe two and a half, we were in church and we were singing um, on Jordan's Stormy Banks. Mm-hmm. We got done singing and everyone stopped singing and he sang the last line of the song by himself out loud. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was hilarious. I'll never forget that. Anyway, he loved the Lord and, and he was baptized in 2003 when he was 15, he got baptized. So that was mm-hmm. something that he was proud of we were proud of it everything he he was i was thankful that he came to that conclusion on his own in high school he's not really making he's okay he's not he's only maybe has a couple friends close friends not a big group of friends or anything he got his driver's license graduated high school got his diploma and then he was going to go to the same college his brother went to mm-hmm. which 
I wasn't really on board with because I just didn't think because of all of the struggles he was having, him living alone and, and that. So, but he did, he went to college. It was about an hour and a half away. He made it a semester. He quit taking his medicine. Grades were not good. And he ended up getting angry and he did damage to the apartment he was in. So he had to come home. And he, after he got back home, he was really upset that he wasn't able to go to college and, and like his brother. But he was able, he did go to a community college and he got a two-year associate's degree, which mm-hmm. again, I was thrilled. You know, he right. was thrilled. We were so proud of him. At this point, he's just going to work. He's decided he's just going to work. He loved working with his hands. So all of his jobs were warehouse manual labor jobs. And that's what he liked doing. Mm-hmm. However, once he started working, we realized he could not hold down a job because of his anger issues. When he would get stressed out at work, instead of going and talking to his boss or something, he would go in the bathroom and break something. Again, because of his social problems, he would say inappropriate things. And he had a job at a grocery store for about a year. And that's the Mm -hmm. longest he ever was able to keep a job. Most of them were three to six months. Wow. And he also, once he started driving, he drove very carelessly. He wasn't unsafe, but he just careless. And so his driving record, he would speed a lot. You know, he would run stop signs, not put a turn signal on, whatever. So his driving record wasn't good either. But he just never gave up. He never gave up. That's what I was thinking. He just persevered. He would not give up. And I never gave up. Every time he would get another job, I would think, okay, this one's going to be the one. It's funny because you wrote to me initially two months ago and you wrote out some of this, not all of the story, Uh but some of the story. And I don't know if you remember, but my first words back to you were, he sounds like a resilient young man. He was never say die. He would Mm -hmm. not give up. He just Mm -hmm. stayed and he had a resilience about him. Like you said, Mm -hmm. he he was just not going to give up. And I was thankful for that because I was never going to give up on him either. Mm-hmm. That's what I try to help as a pediatrician. I really feel like that's one of my big jobs is to try to help kids and adolescents as they're growing up get resilience because you are going to be knocked down. And it's that resilience that allows you to get back up and to try again and go get that next job and go do that next thing and get that associate's degree and things like that. So I get more concerned about those kids that just end up feeling hopeless. So that's great that he had that. He did. But you know, he always knew he was different. Mm -hmm. But he didn't really know how or why, not why, but how different, like he knew he was different, but he didn't know really how he was different. Mm -hmm. As he got older, of course, he wanted a girlfriend and he wanted all those things. And I think a lot of the frustration and the anger that he had was due to that. He wanted the normal things that his brother, he saw his brother have and his friends, but he could not get that. Mm -hmm. I think that's where a lot of the anger came from because he realized that he wanted to do it, but he couldn't. Yes. As he got older and all of this and was just piling up, I think he just became tormented. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyway, after he gets out of high school and he comes back, he's living with his dad. He's living with me. He's living with his grandparents, trying to get traction try to get a life going. In 2012, he was 24 years old. He got arrested. He was speeding. He told me later on he was speeding because he was excited that he was going to get another car. The car he was driving was in bad shape. So he's getting another car. So he speeded. The police came behind him. He didn't stop. 
So they more police came behind him. He finally oh, no. pulled over due to his social issues, plus the fact that he was probably in shock at that point. They pulled him over and told him to put his hands up and get out of the car. And he didn't do it because he was scared. And they ended up pulling him out of the car, tasing him, handcuffing him and taking him to jail. Oh, no. He wasn't there very long. His dad went and picked him up and, you know, he came back. And um, that just added to all of this trauma that he's got in his life. So he ended up getting, we got it reduced to a misdemeanor. But that always bothered him that he had that misdemeanor on his record. So anyway, he had his license taken away for six months while he was on probation. Well, the things that Robbie loved, he loved his car. He loved the color red. He loved his car. He loved James Bond. He loved King of Queens. He loved uh, Raymond. And he loved the beach and he loved his phone. All those things he loved. So telling him you can't drive your car for six months was really hard. Taking him back and forth to work, wherever his jobs are, you know, whatever he's doing at that time, because he can't drive. So 2013, he came to stay with me about six months because, you know, we decided he needed a break. So when he came to stay with me, I got him enrolled in uh, anger management class. Mm -hmm. And it mm -hmm. was an outpatient day program he went about eight weeks and he worked so hard. They actually diagnosed him with intermittent explosive disorder at that point. Okay. I didn't really know what that was. I'd never heard of it, but it would explain the anger. Right. I actually haven't heard of it either. I hadn't heard of it either. And of course, being a mom, you know, you're looking up everything, trying mm -hmm. to figure out, okay, now what do I do? But he worked hard and they gave him techniques to, to different techniques to do when he got angry besides hitting something or tearing something up, you know, Good. Um, one of the things they told him to do was just put his hands together and hold his hands together really tight or like go to the bathroom and put your hands against the walls just to get the stress out. But he never did that. Oh. He always did. He would hit his head in the front part of his head. He would hit it on, you know, the wall, the mirror or the wall or something, or he would tear something up. Those were the two things that he would do. We could not get him to do those things because I think what happened was when, when the anger hit him at that moment, he wasn't able to stop and think about it. He just defaulted to what he was used mm -hmm. to doing. Mm -hmm. I've talked to different therapists about that and the, the term for that is emotional flooding. So it's oh. when your emotions take over and they really black out your frontal lobe, which is what is all of your reasoning. So you normally can do all of your reasoning and logic with your frontal lobe. When you get this emotional flooding, the emotions just take over and the frontal part lobe just doesn't work. And so you're not able to make rational oh. decisions and good decisions when you're just feeling overwhelmed. I actually talk to parents about that a lot because... I mean, we all know kids that when they get these temper tantrums, no matter what you say, you can't talk them down from that. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. it, and once you kind of explain that to people, that their brain is just flooded with these emotions and it can't work. So you have to find a way to snap out of it. So my son Andy used to get emotional flooding. He used to get very emotional and cry and get upset and get anxious. So he wouldn't get violent, but he'd get anxious. And so we found that the way to snap him out of that emotional flooding when he would be down on himself and negative and things like that would be to get him to laugh. So we would try to do something to get him to laugh because if you got him to laugh, 
then it would like be this trigger that would just snap it off. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, he could start thinking more rationally again. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's always a good thing. You want to try to find a positive emotion that you can get to happen to be able to kind of turn off that sp- spigot that is having this water just flowing and flowing and flowing. And so whatever that is, you know, the therapist I had talked to recommended a funny video. Like she had, she, there was some funny dog video or something that she would show some of the patients and that would always get them to laugh and get them to get out of this mm-hmm. thing. So it it's good when you can give that insight to people and to their families so they can just kind of understand what's happening because yeah. there's no reasoning with people when they get to this point you absolutely cannot so there it's just a waste to try it just gets the family members frustrated more than anything and the patient and the yeah yeah I've never heard that term before we had him in counseling and therapy and medication and the problem was by the time you get him on a medication that would help him enough he would make him so tired or it would alter him and he, he couldn't function and he hated taking medication anyway. He hated it. And mm-hmm. if it affected how he performed at work, he would get he would get upset and he wouldn't take it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and it's hard once they get older because then you just really do lose that control. You can't, that's right. You can't that's have right. them do that. So if they don't want to, they don't want to. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing too, Robbie didn't really feel like he needed it. He just didn't feel like he needed therapy or pills or anything. He just thought he would be fine. Yeah. So it was it's very hard to help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. Mm-hmm. So then in March or April of 2015, his dad and, and or grandparents de- bought him a little duplex home. It was a two bedroom, two bath home. I wasn't completely on board just because I thought he needed more eyes on him. Mm-hmm. But we did it and he seemed to like it. It was his place and he seemed to be okay, but it left him with a lot of free time. Yeah. So he's working, he's in and out of jobs and working and everything. And and everything seems to be going okay. In August of that year is when he had his first seizure. Mm -hmm. I was out of town with my older son who had a surgery. And Robbie, after he got out of high school, he would always text me because I, you know, text me, he's at work, he's home. We texted all the time or called. So I was always in communication with him and as soon as I got the text every day, I was okay. Like, are Mm -hmm. you at work? Are you home? Making sure he's okay. Well, that morning he did not text me that he was at work. So Mm -hmm. I called him and I said, are you at work? And he said, no. I said, where are you? And he said, I'm in the hospital. I said, why are you in the hospital? He said, I don't know. So I called his dad and I said, you need to go get Robbie's in the hospital. Well, he had had a seizure while he was driving to work. Oh no. Again, angels all around. (laughs) He didn't get hurt. No one else got hurt. His car got totaled, but mm-hmm. he he went to the hospital just because that's what they do. And he was, he was okay. Mm-hmm. So then after that, he started having seizures, maybe one every three or four months. Mm-hmm. And of course we had him, got him on seizure medication after that. And then again, he loses his license for six months after the seizure. So he didn't drive and he's on seizure medication. He's having sporadic seizures, but again, he's still when he would get angry, he's still hitting his head. Mm-hmm. The neurologist never told us this is why he's having seizures because he's hitting his head. But, but you wondered because he never had any seizures before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to know. I don't know it that is, anyone would ever know. Yeah. yeah. And I tried to 
to explain to him, I'm like, if not say this is why you're having, but to say, you know, that may be the reason, Robbie, maybe you could find another way, but he could never stop doing that. Now, I will say he hadn't done that prior, probably, I'll say maybe a year and a half. He hadn't done mm-hmm. that. So he was, I think he was starting and with Robbie as he aged, he matured very slowly. He would make small strides, but he was trying so hard. Yeah. He's on the seizure medication. He's still in and out of job. So summer of 2019 comes and stays with me again, needs a break. He found a job at a car wash close enough to walk. Mm-hmm. So he worked there. He's doing okay. But again, he's telling me there's a guy at work that's telling him he's not doing his job right. He's like, mom, you know, he's not my boss. And you know, he just was, it seemed like every job he had, he just struggled because he was kind of an easy target. He was naive, but he was so trusting of everybody. He thought everything everybody said to him is true. Yeah. And so it was hard for him to not to, to, to understand what people were saying to him sometimes that maybe weren't being truthful or honest, but he didn't know. I had also in 2014, I had also found a local group here where I live, a monthly group that met for Asperger's family members that had loved ones with it. And I learned a lot through that and gained a lot of resources. Because that was his diagnosis. Yeah, they diagnosed him with that probably right after high school. Mm-hmm. Right in there, they diagnosed him with that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it wasn't some, it was, it was just, it was more the social. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he came down here the summer of 2019 and he's working at a car wash. Well, I was working one day a week and I told him, if you can walk to work on Tuesday morning, I'll take you and pick you up all the other days. Just Tuesday morning, walk to work. And it was maybe a 20 minute walk. It was mm-hmm. nothing. So he did, I thought. So the Wednesday, I took him to work Wednesday morning. His boss comes out and meets us and told me that he had gotten fired because he did not show up for work the previous two Tuesdays. Oh, no. And he didn't tell me. So we drive home. It's like a five-minute drive home. And I'm pretty upset, actually. Sure. You know, I'm pretty sure. upset. And he came in and he had one of his his rages here at home. And it was really, really scary. Not that I thought he was going to hurt me. But that I, and he, he didn't act like he was going to hurt himself either. He just was like running around. He acted like he was going to take all of his pills at one time. He was yeah. like yelling. And I mean, he was raging. And I'm just trying to say, you know, Robbie, you know, trying to calm him down. And finally he got calmed down and we got everything cleaned up and he went up to his room. And, you know, once that happens, he's just exhausted. You know, he's exhausted. Sure. So he stayed in his room all afternoon and, and we went and got ice cream that after, that evening. And of course he apologized. He always apologized when something like that happened. He felt terrible. That's what he had to do. Mm-hmm. So he went back. Now we're summer of 2020, last August. I had seen him Christmas of 2019. Well, COVID hit. I had, had planned to see him in April of 2020 and I couldn't go because of COVID. So I rescheduled my visit for August and his birthday was August 26th. So I went the weekend before his birthday. He had been working at a job like 10 months. He got the job in October of 2019. And so he was doing really good at this job. Yeah. So I flew, I flew to see him in August of 2020, the weekend before his birthday. So it was like Thursday to Monday. We made dinner. We got, I ordered my birthday cake. We had lunch with my brother and my nephew that Saturday. Well, after we left, lunch he asked me if we could go look at where i grew up mm-hmm. the houses i grew up in i said sure so i took him and showed him the two homes that i grew up in 
And he had asked me to go meet his boss that weekend too, where he worked, because he was mm -hmm. so proud to be able to be work. And she was so good to him. She used to work with disabled people. Mm -hmm. And she had went over and above for him, over yeah. and above. Just, I was so thankful for her. Well, Sunday night we had went to dinner and I had asked the, the lady that we were at the table to take our picture. Aww. So we had that picture. And then Monday morning I took his picture before he went to work. And mm -hmm. he wasn't smiling because, you know, work to him was just something he had to do because Robbie's mantra after he got to be about, I don't know, 24 is, you know, make a million dollars and live on the beach. That was his goal be a millionaire and live on the beach. So he had his shirt on where he worked and I took his picture and I left. That brings us to yeah, what happened. What happened. Mm -hmm. So his birthday was on Wednesday. Again, he made a very bad choice about trying to meet someone. He made a bad choice on his birthday. Mm -hmm. And I had always, I, I was paying for his phone. The minute he got a phone, I paid for it and everything. So he ended up losing his phone. Mm -hmm. And so I had to get him a new phone. Well, I, on the new phone, I put a tracker on it and, and where I could see and, and everything to mm -hmm. make sure. Mm -hmm. I disabled all the apps, everything. But he had, you know, internet and, and that. So I sent his phone to him. We got it on Saturday. Well, Sunday, he realized that he didn't have, you know, he couldn't download anything and all that. So we had a conversation on Sunday afternoon that I said, if you can start making better choices, I'll put those back on your phone. He didn't know that I had the, the tracker on it. He just knew that he couldn't get, you know, his apps and things. Mm -hmm. Because this person he had met, I guess he found on Facebook. Yeah. So I took all that off. So we, we talked. We weren't arguing, but I could hear like something in the background, like he was hitting something. Yeah. So I texted his dad. His dad went down there and he said he was stomping on the floor because he wasn't mad at me. He was mad because the phone thing. He wanted the yeah. phone back the way it was. So we agreed two weeks and he was fine. I said, are you, are you okay with that? He said, yeah. And we hung up and that was on Sunday. So Sunday evening, I texted him. I said, are you, because he would make his lunch for work. I said, you ready for work? You got your lunch made, blah, blah, blah. And he didn't answer me. Mm -hmm. So I texted him again. And he didn't answer me. Well, it's a little later. So I'm thinking, well, maybe he just went to bed early. Right. But Robbie, with his OCD, he always kept his phone charged like 100%. Like everything was always, you go to his house and, and all the spices are front. Like everything's exact, right? Everything has had to be very organized. He was very clean. He took very good care of his house. So I looked, I had the ability to see how much charge he had on his phone. So I seen it going down. It wasn't being charged. So for some reason... That Sunday night, I woke up at midnight, and I just checked again, and he was still home, but the charge kept going down on his phone. So Monday morning, I woke up, and I looked again, and it, the charge still, it still wasn't charging. And I didn't want to call him because he would wait until like a half an hour to get up to go to work because, you know, he wouldn't, he would, he didn't get up early. He would wait. So I didn't want to call him. So he was supposed to be at work at 10. So I looked at, at, at my phone to see if he was at work and he wasn't at work yet. Well, sometimes he would go in at 11. So I thought, well, mm -hmm. well maybe he's going at 11. So between 10 and 11, his time, his dad called and told me that he had passed. Oh, I'm so sorry. And I knew when I got back, I knew when I saw his dad's number, I knew something terrible had happened. Yeah. Just because of everything that had gone on the night before. Mm-hmm. I was home alone when I got oh. the news. His dad said that 
because his dad went down there to check on him because he hadn't heard on him, heard from him either before work. His dad said that the police said that he passed around midnight, which is when oh, I had right and when you woke up. So, yeah. due to conversations that apparently his dad and him had had that I wasn't aware of, Robbie had told his dad that he wanted to be cremated, mm-hmm. and that he didn't want an obituary. Oh. And because of COVID. So I basically had to get on a plane that night and fly up there and say goodbye to him the next day and come back home. Right. My my brothers and their families were able to come because they all lived there, but I had no time to do anything. We had an hour because of COVID and, and the um, the funeral home and, and all that. That just adds so much because it's already so horrible. But to not be able to get the support from community and family and friends. I mean, I got honestly, it. Honestly, I can't even imagine I it. I had it afterwards, but not. Not right then, but you kind of need it right then. By the I mean, time I, I told my friends and everything, it was over. Like, they're like, well, it was over. Yeah. Like, I, I called I called who I had to call before, but after I got back, I called everyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, you look back and I'm thinking, why didn't I say this or why didn't I do that? But I just, I don't no. even think I was aware that it happened. I mean, I was just so in shock. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do much of anything. The way they found him, um, they, and, and on his, because of his history, they said it was, it was a seizure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They didn't do an autopsy mm-hmm. because there was no evidence of foul play or anything. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to have anything to honor him? I want to have a, a, a memorial here for him. I just don't know when. Yeah. I, I just can't. I have. So I received uh, one of my girlfriends. Uh, you know, she gave me, you know, these certain books to read. She said, when you feel up to it, make a memory box. She said, just go to Michael's or something and get a box. She said, put things in it that of Robbie's that you want to get your hands on quickly. She goes, put pictures of him on the outside, do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So when I got back, I did that. And I just over here on the table and there's pictures of him from infancy to the last ones. And then I have a big tub in the closet of clothes and things as well. But, and then I have there, I received flowers and I took one of the crystal vases and I filled it with seashells and it's sitting on the table by mm-hmm. the box. One of my brothers had sent me a lantern. There's a saying on it. It says, God has you in his hands and we have you in our heart, I think. And on the back is you can interchange put pictures in the back it's a lantern and it's just such a beautiful gift and then one of my other girlfriends sent me another she actually sent me a lantern and had the last picture of him and i lasered on it oh that's beautiful yeah and so i have that so i've been i haven't had a memorial i i probably will i just don't know when i think that would be good for you to be able to do that it's just something, there are just some things that I can't bring myself to do yet. And it's been like four and a half months. Yeah. And, and oh. I think getting help to do something like that, I don't know that you necessarily should have to do it yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, asking people to help you because those memorial services can be so, so healing. I think back to Andy and I felt like all of those hugs that I got from people 
every one of them, I felt like they were sharing my pain just a little bit and taking just a tiny bit away. And it was so comforting to get that. It was tiring, but it was comforting. And for you to not be able to have any of that is just such a shame. But you really can't do it yourself. I mean, I I didn't plan anything. I mean, other people planned it for me, really. And I'm really, and what I've learned from your podcasts and books and things, it's just very difficult to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Just very difficult. I just, I just can't. It's hard for me to ask anyone for help. There's like three people that have been rock solid for me during this, which Uh I know that if I called them, it would, I would, would, you know, there'd be a lot of help. It's really something I have learned over the last two and a half years is the importance of asking for help, because that is very hard. I remember in those first days and weeks, and people would drop food off at my door, and they would say, call me if you need anything. I can think of many instances, call me if you need anything. And as I'm closing the door, I'm thinking to myself, I will never call you. I will never call you. And that's all I would say in my mind again and again and again. And what I have learned is... Sometimes you just need to call. You just need to do it when you can't do it yourself. I think about this year and us getting our Christmas tree. I knew I couldn't do it. I knew I couldn't. I had to ask someone to do it for me because I knew it was important for Peter. I knew it was important for us to be able to do, but I knew I couldn't do it. And that person was honored to give us the Christmas tree. Every time I had a very bad situation at work yesterday happen with just a patient that that had known Andy and they didn't know that I was his mom. And anyway, it was very, very difficult for me. And I actually they had no idea. I left the room. I completely fell apart. And, you know, one of my partners had to see my next patient because I just couldn't. And again, so I sent thank yous today. And what did I get? I was honored to be able to help you. We are a family. We love you. We are honored to do this for you. When you can't stand up yourself and you can't do something yourself, that's what people want to do because they don't know what to do. So every once in a while, just saying, like, I was going to try to buck up and get through, but really I needed a half an hour. I needed a half an hour to get myself together, to get through Mm -hmm. the rest of the day. And Mm -hmm. because I could ask for help, or accept help from others, because I didn't actually ask them. They just offered and said, this is what we're going to do for you. And I then said, okay, given that, you know, I was able to do more because I allowed people to do things for me. So Mm -hmm. that is, I think, just such a huge lesson that you get over time. And I feel like it's something I wish I would have learned earlier in my journey, because I think it would have made life a little bit easier. (laughs) I've made phone calls to people like, because like at night when I just can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's, I've done that. Good. That's I, great. I've done that. We didn't obviously put up a Christmas tree this year. Um, no, no, of course not. I mean, this is the first time I've done it and this is our third Christmas. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Robbie's brother, Ryan has been supportive, like whatever you want to do. You know, he doesn't, yeah. he's, he's, cause he's dealing with it his own way you've talked before the balance of all these family dynamics and trying to be there for someone when you're drowning mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. just it's very hard and sometimes you can't even explain like what you're feeling and I think it does add a complication too because Robbie's life did have so many challenges his life had so many challenges and I know you wanted to go into that pretty in depth because of that and because of 
that really is a huge part of the picture here. And yeah. whether some of his behaviors led to him ultimately having the seizures and dying or, right. or, or not, or it's not, still yeah. just, and I think I feel for you too, because I think in some ways the support you get from other people might not even be as great because they think, well, wow, she doesn't have to worry about Robbie anymore. Like you were always worried about Robbie. I have heard that. I've heard on your, your guests. It's the things people say. I hear this whole story and I think, oh, your friends are thinking, well, at least we don't have to worry about Robbie anymore. And I thought, yeah. and that's not what she wants because she yeah. wants to spend every waking uh -huh. moment of the rest of her life worrying about Robbie because that is so much better than this. That is so much better than this. That's yeah. exactly right. If I had mm -hmm. a choice, which I don't anymore, obviously, but yeah, no, I would never be anxious because literally by the, by the time he got out of high school till he passed, which was about 14 years, every day was high anxiety. Mm -hmm. Is he okay? What's he doing? I mean, but mm -hmm. that's okay because once I learned he was okay, then I was okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I right. just think that's a really important key to your story and to know that you mourn as deeply and as horribly and as awfully than somebody who just had a perfect little baby that never had done anything yeah. wrong yeah. and never had been a challenge who got yeah. sick and died. It's it, just because you, it, Robbie struggled does not make your intense sorrow and oh. anguish over his death any easier not even the littlest bit no it it doesn't at all in fact sometimes right after he passed i thought you know you always ask why 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 did he why was he tormented to have to struggle his entire life and then be taken at 32. Mm -hmm. what was the point but right again that's you know yeah you just I'm don't not, know i'm you know god has a plan we know that god god was not surprised by any of this those are things that I need to remember because I, I feel like I've always had a very strong faith and mm -hmm. that's gotten me through really, that's really that and, and a handful of people have gotten me through this. Well, I say that not to mention the candles and Kleenex. Yeah, <laughs> I don't right. know what I do without candles and Kleenex, you know. One other thing that you really wanted to talk about yes. that has been helpful to you, and that has been poetry. So yes. why don't you go on and talk about what that has meant to you, reading poetry, writing poetry, all of that. Yes. The pain and the sorrow is so deep. There's just no way to, like, wailing. There's no way to describe just this pain. And mm -hmm. so you lay down to go to sleep, and that's pointless. And so I found myself just needing a way to get this out somehow. So I, I've never written poetry in my life and I found myself picking up paper and writing poems. I've written mm -hmm. like 11 poems. I also wow. scoured the internet for grief poems and I made a grief poem book and I put Robbie's picture on the outside of it. Just for yourself to be just, able to just look through it. Because mm -hmm. there are, some of them are kind of generic and some of them are specific to a son or a mother. And my the poems I've written are related to the feelings and emotions about grief. So I'll read, what I'd like to do is read a couple of them that I, these are the ones that I found on the internet that were my favorites. Okay. This one, this one's called Mom, He Only Took My Hand. I don't know if you've okay. heard this one. Have you no. heard this who, one? Do you know who wrote it? To give I them don't, proper credit? I don't even say. Okay. It said, last night while I was trying to sleep, my son's voice I did hear. I opened my eyes and looked around, but he did not appear. 
He said, mom, you've got to listen. You've got to understand. God didn't take me from you. He only took my hand. When I called out in pain that morning, the instant that I died, he reached down and took my hand and pulled me to his side. He pulled me up and saved me from the misery and pain. My body was hurt so badly inside I could never be the same. My search is really over now. I found happiness within. All the answers to my empty dreams and all that might have been. I love you so and miss you so, but I'll always be nearby. My body's gone forever, but my spirit will never die. And so you must go on now, live one day at a time. Just understand, God does not, God did not take you from me. He only took my hand. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so fitting for you with the amount of torment that he really had yeah. throughout yeah, just, his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That would means means a lot. Mm-hmm. And then this one, it's and this says, I said, God, I hurt. God said, I know my child. I said, I cry a lot. God said, that's why I gave you tears. I said, God, life is hard. God said, that's why I gave you loved ones. I said, but my son has died. God said, and so did mine. I said, but God, your son now lives. God said, and so does yours. I said, God, your son is by your side. God said, and yours is in my arms. Oh, that's beautiful. I got to try to find those. Yeah. Like I said, I have a whole book, but those are the two that I, that I picked. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just read a couple of the poems that I've written. Sure. The first, this is the very first one I wrote and it's called mm-hmm. Lime. It says, I have lines on my face that mark many things, happiness, sadness, and deep regret. But the lines that trace the deepest hurt are the lines formed by the tears from your death. My life changed so suddenly that sunny and warm August morning, a phone call brought life shattering news without a moment's warning. Now the lines on my face have changed. They seem to have settled on their own. I hardly recognize the face in the mirror, mark my endless tears and groans. A part of my heart is now gone and my life can never be the same. The days are long and difficult to endure as I tenderly speak your name. Trying to make sense of an unimaginable tragedy, my prayers are filled with anguish and pain. But the answers don't come as I would like, but I know God listens and will use this for his gain. So the lines will show my heartache and grief until I draw my last breath as I try to live to honor your memory, knowing we will be reunited in death. That's very, very beautiful. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and then the other one, this was... Um, one of my brothers, one of my brother's favorites, because I read, I think I read them all to my brother and he, he picked this one. So mm-hmm. I'm reading this for him really too. This one's called Words. G- the gentle sighs, the distant looks, the platitudes that never end. How I long to tell you how bad this hurts. Is it something you could understand? I know you want to help, but your words are hollow to my ears. Maybe what I really need is someone to just be here. I don't want to seem ungrateful for the things you say and do but there is nothing that can ease the pain. It's something I must go through. They say that time heals all wounds. I guess I'll have to wait and see. But this one thing I know for sure is that tears and sorrow won't end for me. Please don't forget about me and think of me if you get the chance. I am unable to tell you what I need. I really don't understand. Thank you for your care and concern and I'll try to let it show. Just how much I appreciate what you do during the hardest time I'll ever know. Yeah. You've got some good points in there, some good things to think about. That idea of time healing all wounds doesn't really feel so true anymore, does it? No. No. I think time, there was a statement that I found the other day and I was reading and it said, 
gaze at the bandaged place because that's where the light enters. Yeah. So, you know, as much as we're talking about time healing, healing to me means you're well, you're well. And I don't think I'm ever going to be well. I think I'll always have a bandage. Mm -hmm. I'll always have a bandage. And you'll always have cracks and they're not going to totally heal up. It's funny, I saw a church friend of mine in the grocery store the other day. Now, we have not had church for 45 weeks in person. So I have not seen her in person in 45 weeks. And I asked, how are you doing? And she said, well, one day closer. And what she meant was, we're one day closer to getting through COVID and one day closer to getting our lives back and one day closer you know, to going to church again. But I, all I could think in my mind was, yeah, I'm one day closer to getting to heaven to be with my little boy. And I was like, I just don't think of things the same way. And for me, every day really is just a day closer to be reunited. And it's, and, and I certainly wouldn't say that to her because she would think that that would be morbid and awful. And that, all the time people like you get emotional or something and they'll be like oh Marcy's not doing well you know it's been two and a half years and she's not doing well but it's not that I'm not doing well I'm I'm doing fine I'm doing as I should be I should be missing Andy every day and I think that it is completely reasonable for me to be thinking about the day that someday I'll be reunited and that doesn't mean I have some sort of death wish or I'm suicidal, but I am looking forward to it. I mean, I miss him. Absolutely. I miss and him. It's funny you said that because Robbie would always say sometimes when I would ask him, how was your day at work? And he'd say one day closer to the beach, one day closer to the beach, because, you know, he wanted, he wanted to have his, get his money and retire and live on the beach. And one other thing that I forgot to mention was that he had gotten his job in October of 2019. And I told him when I saw that he was, you know, here he's five, six months into this job and he still got his job. I said, if you can keep your job for a year, we'll go to the beach. I'll yeah. take you to the beach. And he missed it. He, he didn't make that year. But he was close. He was close. He, was he had close. 10 months. He had about 10 months. Well, and with the boss that he had, he probably would have made it. He, he would have made it. And we talked to her that day when I met her and I, I said, if it's okay, because he was, he was not considered full-time, so he didn't really get vacation, but mm-hmm. she said, sure, he could have some days off to go to the beach. if he. Mm-hmm. So we, we were just so looking forward that I was looking at flights and things to take him, but he didn't make that. No. But I do have just three Bible verses that I have used to, I mean, we talked about Romans 8.20. I don't. It's funny, we you talked about that, Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 used to be my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's funny I because... I struggle a little we, now, but... We are going to our churches having in-person services, and we mm-hmm. went, was it last week or the week before, and that's the verse he preached on, and I could hardly stay. Yeah. I could hardly stay because it's, it's just a, like a slap in the face. But at the same time, you know that if you have faith and you trust in the Lord, that's what, it's just so hard. It's just so hard. 
Just for people who don't know what Romans 28 is, I will just read that verse. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. So I used to cling to that, actually, even after Mm -hmm. my mother died, I would cling to that, that in all things, even the death of my mother, God was working for the good of people Mm -hmm. who loved him, me, and I really clung to that with the death of my mom. But with the death of Andy, it's been a different story. It's been one that I fight and that just kind of ticks me off because I think for the good of who? Because this doesn't feel good mm-hmm. at all. And I know good has come of it. I know the podcast has come of it. I know hundreds of people I've certainly spoken with now over the last couple of years and good has come of it. But it still is hard to wrap my head around the idea that it's all good. <laughs> you would you would trade all that good for your son. Yeah, right, 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 right. That's, right. that's, that's the hard part. Proverbs okay. 3, 5 and 6, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Mm-hmm. And then Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And honestly, I think that's the one I need to switch to. I really need to write that one down and look at that one every day and think, yep, there's a lot of suffering, but it's going to be, but it's going to be worth it in the long run. I think I need to switch to that for a little while until I can get back on <laughs> I'm on not with verse that, 28 I just got to go up 10 verses and I can yeah. cling to that one I think I can cling to that one now at this point in my life I just have a hard time clinging to 28 <laughs> I'm not saying I'm there with any of these verses I'm just saying that there are verses that can maybe give me hope oh I think so you know, because I think there are days when there's I feel like I have no hope there mm-hmm. there are just days when I I had a really bad day this Wednesday, uh, well, two days ago, was one of the worst days I've had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my husband and I were out at lunch on Saturday and we're sitting there eating lunch. And I said, I need to cry right now. And I just started crying at lunch. Yeah. So there's no rhyme or reason. And I liken grief to just a black hole. You're groping around in the dark. There are no lights. There's not any kind of anything to show you any kind of direction. You just grope. Well, that's me. I mean, I, I don't know. No, that. I'm, I'm with you. I, I understand. Well, you just keep looking for some kind of, not even a bright light, just something to show some kind of light. So yeah, that just a glimmer. Mm-hmm. A glimmer of hope, of light to say, okay, I'm not going to drown. I'm not going to die here because you do feel like you're going to die. And you're going to go crazy and, and all those things. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is Psalm 34:18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's a good one too. Yeah. Those are the ones that you really need to turn to, I think, are the mm-hmm. ones that just think about God being close to us and understanding, understanding our suffering, understanding the brokenness, understanding all of the pain. I was and listening to being there. One of your podcasts, and I was actually at the gym, and I started crying in the moment. I don't know who she was, but I don't know if it was you or her, but made the comment that, you know, when their when their child died, God cried the first tear. Yeah, just it is a beautiful thought. 
I do think about that often. I think about my pastor telling me that on the side of the road that night, God was crying right beside me. I think that all the time. I have to think like that. I have to know that God cries with me. And those verses show that, right? They do. They do. Those verses are not all about if you obey, things are going to be awesome. They're not. They're none of that. No, no, no. Looking at these verses, it Mm -hmm. is really focusing on the fact that God does understand our brokenness and God does sit there with us in our brokenness. I've spoken with moms and I've heard from moms reading more on the internet on moms that are so angry with God for doing this to me. Uh, And you mm -hmm. just can't think of it that way. You just can't. It's just God cries with me. I remember, I mean, so many nights in my prayers, I'm like, God, because I think that, you know, your immediate thing when you get the news is why, 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 why? Mm -hmm. And I just pray that God will comfort me, be patient with me while I work through this and help me to understand why this happened. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking why, I'm just wanting to understand why. Like, and maybe I will never know. Which you probably won't on this side of heaven, right? We probably won't. But I think maybe it's more... God is going to be patient with you. And I know that. I mean, I just know that I have had a lot of anger with God. I said earlier, you know, I, I, that, that people are angry and that's not, I'm angry too. I mean, it's not that I'm not angry. I'm just not angry to the point where I'm turning from God. I'm just angry with him and just telling him I'm angry with you. And that's different because then I'm in relationship. And I'm still in relationship with God and I'm telling him that I'm ticked off and he's going to sit there and be patient with me and cry with me still. I can get angry and I can yell and I can scream. Heck, I can be like Robbie and hit my head against the wall. (laughs) But God won't walk away from me for that. And God didn't walk away from Robbie for doing that either. Robbie and, you know, the things about Robbie, he's such a dichotomy because he was so tenderhearted. You could talk about something with him and he would just cry, like tear up and cry. Mm-hmm. In fact, a couple summers ago when I was there, we were talking about, I think we were talking about my his grandfather, my stepdad. We passed in 2001 and he loved him. And we were sitting on his sofa and he started crying, like crying. And I said, oh, you know what? I think let's just, I was trying to make, you know, joke and stuff. And I took a, cell, a picture of us down the sofa and you can see in the picture that he'd been crying. <clears throat> and he just, he had these, these quirky ways, you know, when you would take his picture, he would throw his head back into the left and smile. I mean, and I took several of those that last week and I was up there. I had, and I took several videos. I had so much. And I feel like that was God's gift to me mm-hmm. because I saw him right before. What a gift that whole weekend. What a gift. Yeah. And we, we, and the one thing, and I know the one thing that I wanted to say before I forget that Saturday, we were there, the weather was really nice and we were going to take a walk. Mm-hmm. And Robbie, he, he didn't really care about clothes or anything. He didn't care, you know. So I said, put on some comfortable shoes. So he had on this pair of white tube socks that came up his cap. Uh-huh. I said, put on some comfortable shoes. Well, I thought he grabbed tennis shoes. He grabbed a pair of brown loafers. <laughs> and he put on this pair of brown loafers with these tennis shoes. Or, uh, brown loafers with these white tube socks. And I go, 
are you sure those are going to be comfortable? He goes, yeah. And he felt fine. And he felt fine. And I did too. I go fine. And, and it was great. Mm -hmm. And he mm -hmm. didn't, that was Robbie. Yeah. He, he was comfortable. And so, you know, just such a, uh, I felt like I was, he was a grown man in a, not child, but child adolescent mind mm -hmm. sort of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I've kind of been grieving like two children almost because yeah. he was, and, and I, I've been working with a therapist and she said pretty early on, she said, it's like, you've been grieving him your whole life. Like your pregnancy was terrible. Then he gets in kindergarten and you realize things aren't quite right. And then he starts having all these anger yeah. things and all, all these things. It's like grieving what he, what, and more of it for me was grieving what I knew he wanted to be because right. I was okay with how he was, but I grieved because I knew he wanted more for himself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing Robbie's story with us and your story. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Oh, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And thank you for doing your podcasts again. I can't thank you enough. They have really gotten me through some tough, tough days. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.